Yeah. So hi, welcome to a new episode on Two Gals and a Glass Half Full. Um, it is now May, and here in the north, I'm excited because May means May means spring and finally warmer weather. Um, but last month, we were talking about stress awareness, um, and I think that's such a great segue into May, which is mental health awareness. Um, I feel this is area I have a lot to learn in, so I'm super excited. But first, Dr. Jess, what do you have in your cup this morning? Well, this morning I have my coffee and a little bit of creamer and I still haven't gotten the collagen. I keep looking into trying to, um, put the collagen in my coffee. And then every time I start reading about it, then I get distracted, but I do want to look into putting collagen in my coffee. Um, so that's, that's what I'm interested in cold coffee. Do you think I have, I have no idea. Um, we've just, we've interviewed a couple of people that had collagen in their coffee. So I'm trying to like find some time to learn a little bit more about it. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't gotten that far. Um, so Dr. Bobby, what's in your glass? I I have coffee as well. It was an early 5am workout and then lots of medical notes. Everyone, everyone in the profession can love notes and documentation. So I needed Mm -hmm. that coffee this morning. Absolutely. And then with us today, we have Erin Moran, who is a mental health counselor. And so Erin, what's in your glass? Well, I have my little unicorn mug and I have coffee with uh, oat milk today. There we go. There we go. So Erin is going to join us to help us kick off Mental Health Awareness Month because she knows a little bit more about this area than we do. So we figured why not talk to somebody that knows more than we do. So Erin, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be a part of this conversation. Um, So I am a licensed mental health counselor. Um, My background is kind of my specialties are trauma and also working with uh, substance abuse. I'm currently the clinical director of a um, intensive outpatient partial hospitalization uh, substance abuse treatment center called Safers Recovery. It's in Jacksonville, Florida. So we're actually pretty new. We've only been open for a little over six months, but we are growing very rapidly. And um, I developed the program on my own. So it's something that I feel really passionate and excited about. And helping more people in uh, Northeast Florida to heal and to regain their lives. So it's super rewarding. It's awesome. Absolutely. It's so needed, especially centers that are, that are well-rounded and healthy and balanced. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, no, this is, it's, it's such a a great project that's been um, going on and then now is live, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. So in this month with mental health awareness, what our hope is, is to talk a little bit more about just the overall sense of mental well-being, because we don't want to talk about like, oh, it's like if I don't have schizophrenia or bipolar or, you know, severe depression, then mental health awareness doesn't really relate to me. It's like, well, yes, it, it does. Those are diagnoses, but mental well-being is something that everybody can be working on to help them overall just be um, healthier in general, but then have more fulfillment in life help to achieve goals, have better stress management, you know, like so many things are beneficial to having good mental well-being. So that's kind of where we want to start this month is talking about like, what are some of the big core components of mental well-being? So this is something that maybe a lot of people don't think about. So that's where we're going to start this conversation with. So Aaron, what, what do you consider to be some of these core components? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I just want to 
like say that I am so appreciative of having this discussion, this conversation, um, because it's so prominent for there to be a lot of shame, um, secrecy, uh, avoidance, isolation in our mental health. It is not something that is often prioritized, was even talked about. Um, and so some people will put off, you know, going and talking to someone or having this space because it's like, well, I don't have some of these things that you were saying, you know, I don't have right. that diagnosis. So maybe I don't, I wouldn't benefit from going and having therapy or having treatment. Um, but in reality, you know, so much of life exists on a spectrum, you know, it's not black, it's not white, it's, it's some <laughs> combination of it. I'm sure you probably have heard this in right. other segments, but, uh -huh. um, and that's something that, you know, you might not meet a diagnostic criteria, but you might have, you know, a little bit of tendency towards a lower mood or a little bit of tendency towards some anxiety, or maybe you don't have a PTSD diagnosis, but you've gone through something that is traumatic. Mm -hmm. um, it could be an instance of bullying. It could be an instance of growing up when you were like, oh, I didn't know the mood my parents were going to be in. And, and it was a loving home, but sometimes my parents were checked out or they were really grumpy and irritable. And that made me realize like, I don't know, are my parents going to be playing with me or are they going to be offline? And we don't think of these things as traumas, but they do impact us. They impact the way that we relate to ourselves, the way that we speak to ourselves, our inner dialogue, as well as the way that we relate to other people could be leaders, could be peers. So this impacts all of our lives without realizing. So therapy is, and mental health is coming from a balanced state of mind and prioritizing all of these different areas of life. I'm going into like a big tangent in that, but you know, yeah, it's yeah. something that is not just full on like, oh, I'm struggling with this. It's sort of like, yeah, I'm struggling with this, but I also have all these other needs. I have physical needs. I have emotional needs. I have interrelational needs. Mm -hmm. I have, um, sleep needs. I have quiet time needs. I have, you know, nutrition needs. It's like physical, mental, emotional, you know, and so it's really slowing down to pay attention to what are those needs and how can I live my best life and a healthier version of all of this. So that was like a big, I don't know if I answered that, but I kind of threw yeah. a lot of things in there. And it, it almost sounds like it can be used as almost to um, improve your leadership and improve your, you know, it's not just something has to be wrong. It's how can I better myself? How could I be happier? You know, it's not just always that downside of things. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the, one of the things that you hit on were like kind of, kind of stopping a little bit and seeing what, you know, even trying to figure out what are my needs, right? So like what, what fulfills me and it's going to be different than what fulfills somebody else. And so oftentimes I think what we do is we try to, well, so-and-so this works for them. Therefore I'm going to do it. Or, you know, so-and-so gave me this advice. You know, I hear that all the time with patients of like, oh, my neighbor told me to X, Y, or Z, you know, and it's something, you know, for me, like for their back pain, you know, mm -hmm. I'm like, well, your neighbor's back is different than your back. And so we need to come and understand your back and give you strategies that are specific to you. And once we get down to the level of specificity, then you're going to get the results that you want. 
But I think oftentimes what we do in life is we do this very global approach, like a one size fits all approach. And, but we expect specificity of outcome of us feeling better and it doesn't work that way. So I think like that was kind of, for me, that kind of resonated with like understanding what each of my needs are. And sometimes we don't know, right? It's like, I don't, all I know is that I feel like I am not fulfilled or I'm easily irritable, or I look at that person in my life that I have this relationship with, and it might be a friend, it might be a partner, it might be a, a kid, a parent, a family member, I don't know. And I want to interact, but maybe I feel frustrated and I don't know why. So there's so many underlying layers to that, that if you don't really stop and try and understand that particular one, and then the next one, the same thing, then you're not really ever going to truly understand what your needs are. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, that's just kind of like, kind of, you know, kind of breaking it down, especially Mm -hmm. interpersonal relationships. Um, it's, they're so tough if they've been going on for your entire life because they're your parents, that's completely different than somebody that is a colleague that you have to work with every single day, but might have uh, tendencies that drive you nuts. Um, so like there's different, you know, there's different levels there that I think, you know, kind of helping to like break that down. So like, would you recommend, like, if somebody's like, Hey, I, I'm not where I want to be and where they kind of want to get started. You know, what are some strategies they might do to kind of get started on understanding what their needs might be? Mm-hmm. It's a really good question. And it's one that's, oh, I, I have, I always talk about, I have kind of easy formulas, but I think the execution is really hard. And yeah. especially I think with, with all areas of health, but I think with mental health, some of the struggles is it's really hard to make it tangential or um uh, tangible thank you yeah <laughs> to make it tangible and it's something that you know if we're learning about the back we can talk about like what's actually happening you can show images of mm-hmm. you know the bones the muscles the fascia you know we can get an idea of that with mental health it's like well yeah but why don't I just stop thinking that or why don't I just not do that behavior and it's not this thing that you can actually concretely see so I often try to sort of use some of these physical examples. I mean, like the body is the body and our okay. brain is going to react and our learning is going to react the same way it is. It's like building a muscle, learning a new language, um, trying a new instrument. It's something that takes repetition and practice. Even when you're like, I don't want to go and do that. You're like, okay, well, I'm just going to do it a little bit to build this. And so I think with it is, slowing down first and foremost we are a society that do not do that um we're doers (laughs) we are go 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 we're like what's the answer let's fix it let's solve it um but our feelings kind of need a little bit of space sometimes they don't need thought they just need felt and noticed recognizing oh i'm feeling a little tense i'm feeling a little restless and not trying to be like well why i have to fix this but just sort of be like okay Something is trying to communicate with me. When we slow down and just create a little bit of space for that, it allows us to sort of say, well, what do I think this might be telling me that I need? Not why did it come, not what do I need to fix, but what need might be coming up? And I might not have an answer to that. It might simply be, I don't know, I feel like I need alone time or I need to talk 
or I need to have some movement. I'm kind of getting stuck and complacent or stagnant. So when we slow down, it gives us a chance to tap into a little bit more of some of these things that are happening in our, in ourselves, in our bodies, in our relationships. Um, when we create space for that, we can do something different. And a lot of times that is going to be, you know, talking about it with someone else, journaling it, um, paying attention a little bit more, paying attention to our breathing, paying attention to where we're holding our tension. Um, Cause all mm-hmm. that is just giving us information to help us to say, okay, well, what step do I want to take? But I can't do that if I'm rushing myself forward. If I'm like forcing myself to get that answer. This year I started doing yoga and that has really made me kind of slow down. Like that one hour, you know, makes me slow down. But as Jess was talking about earlier, like not knowing like those feelings or, you know, you're saying like just recognizing them. I think a lot of the time. So one thing I struggle with is like, most people will be like, you're so happy. Everything's like, you have such a great life. Everything's perfect. Like, oh, I wish I had this, 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 you know? And like, everyone's telling you all these great things, but then inside you're like, but like, you almost feel like, am I not being grateful or am I not, you know, kind of almost then putting it, turning it back onto yourself as you're not doing something instead of realizing, Hey, it's okay to have these feelings. Um, And a lot of times I feel like, well, I should just be able to pick it up and handle it. Like, I just need to be able, like, I need to be stronger. And um, so I find like, that's such a huge roadblock, at least for me um, Mm -hmm. with that. And I don't know, sometimes feeling like having those feelings are almost more scary. It's better just to shove them to the side and like move on with life, you know, because that's what you're used to. Or for me, that's what I'm used to. That's what I know. You know, the unknown is scary. So I... Uh, Dr. Bobby, thank you. I love that. Um, Cause you're like speaking so many things that I sit across the room from a client and this is sort of the narrative. And oftentimes our, our mental health or mental well-being is incredibly lonely and isolating because we are telling ourselves, we'll just suck it up, you know, just grin and bear it, you know, just dust yourself off, keep going. Um, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Like we really oftentimes, and I say we, cause I feel like this is a collective experience and not everyone. There's some lucky people who don't, but so many of us feel, and myself included, minimize it, um, quiet it, just, you know, tell ourselves like, well, it shouldn't be this hard. But regardless of whether it should or shouldn't, it sometimes is. And we can, we can push and do it clearly. I mean, you're a perfect example. You, you are able to get up and, and, you know, go to work and do what you need to do. That doesn't mean that there's not struggles. And that doesn't mean that there's not a different way to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's sort of this part of like really taking the courage and just saying like, oh, maybe I don't have to do this alone. And maybe I can do it without shaming and quieting myself and just being like, yeah, this is hard and it's allowed to be hard. And there's nothing wrong with me for feeling this way. I can get support and other people to really hold that space. I mean, like, yeah, like I tell people often, one of the most powerful two words in our language is when someone is sharing a struggle and they're like, me too. You know, Mm -hmm. to hold space and being like, you are not alone. You are not alone. There is nothing wrong with you. I see you and I will hold you together as we both try and walk through this. You're not broken. 
You know, so I think that's like a healing part of therapy is to, to walk that journey and being like, yeah, I can function, but maybe I can function better. Maybe I can feel really good about doing it, being like, oh, that, that thought wasn't pleasant and just let it roll instead of being like, no, no, get down there. No one wants you out of that cage. You yeah. don't want that. Right. Yeah. Very yeah. much so. And I like the concept of that, the me too, right? Um, so it has nothing to do with the Me Too movement. Okay, this is the, the Me Too of like that so many times we think that we're somehow we're different or wrong. And the minute that one other person that, that you trust, obviously, understands that and is like, actually, I've, I've had something similar to that. And you're like, really? Like, I didn't, I had no idea. And they're like, well, yeah, I just, I just didn't say anything because of, whatever it might be. And you're like, Oh, wow. I'm, I'm sorry that I, I wasn't, I could have been there for you, but you know, and so you start, you know, and that kind of starts building that support network that you have, which is typically pretty small of people that you truly trust that will not attack you. You know, it has to be a, a safe space for you to talk. Um, but when you have that outlet, then when something and you've and you've developed it that you know over time you've developed these relationships of some people in your life whether it's a mental health counselor or just in the moment of friends or close family and that that network that you get around yourself then when you create space to like actually feel what is something is going on then you have some right away people to reach out to just, I call it what, what I do is I'm like, I just need to throw, I just need to spitball a little bit. Uh, you know, okay. Are you, are you cool if I spitball a little? And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And so it's like, and you know, you just kind of start like, you know, it's like it, almost like an idea wall, you know, when you're trying to come up with a, like a new idea, you just kind of like throw the thoughts out there. Right. If I can just say them out loud, the minute I say something out loud is that's when I make it tangible for me right? I can put my finger on it. I can touch it. And then it doesn't just ruminate inside. And then I start saying it out loud. And then it all kind of starts coming together of like, oh, okay. I, okay. I can see, okay. Now I'm understanding where this might be coming from and then really try it. And then, then you are either in it and, and kind of it's going to go from there, or there might be changes you need to make, you know, there might be something that needs to either a conversation that needs to be had with somebody or, you know, there might be something that needs to happen from there. But like, I usually create my space to even get it out by running. Cause I can tell when I'm like, something is in the background. Like I'm not okay. I'm almost like, you know, when you're like, anything could make you like cry just like that. Like you've got that verge of tears that are inside and you're like, why am I so upset? You know, like one little thing, if someone says one little thing wrong, I'm like, I feel like that may, like, I almost want to cry because of that. And that doesn't make any sense. So it's like, usually I'm like, I'm going to go for a run. <laughs> and then, you know, just in or that play space, tennis. Bobby's been there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a horrible tennis player. And in grad school or in PT school one day, I was like, just yeah. want to play tennis. <laughs> like you're not okay so and then like and that's how I like start to work it out and then I realize oh I'm fearful that I'm gonna fail or I'm fearful of this or that or whatever it might be but like in that space where I'm not thinking about anything else because I can't be productive I can't do work I can't study I can't whatever it might be in that space is where I'm able to actually like realize oh okay okay I okay 
now I'm understanding. But like, that's just how it's always worked for me, which, you know, in grad school, I don't know why I wasn't wanting to run. I don't remember that day, but like, Bobby knows that tennis is my other outlet. So she's like, um, I know you have two rackets, so you can just like hit it across the court and I'll just- And I don't know how to play tennis at all. (laughs) But it was super helpful. And Bobby was like in that, in that circle of like, I could be truthful and honest with her and she wasn't going to attack me and, you know, she could be honest with me and I wasn't going to attack her. And so, you know, and honestly in grad school, she was my, probably my only person like in school in person that was that person. So it's not a big group, but, um, it, you know, having that has helped me in the past. So, um, but yeah, just creating space, working on those interpersonal relationships, but then reaching out to the people in that network, I think are, are also for me, what I consider to be like really core essential, um, like for mental well-being. Mm-hmm. like use the strategies. Don't yes. just tap into it, but really use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the me too. I like that because just even think about like when someone says, Oh, this restaurant, this movie, and you loved it. And you're like me too. And you get so excited to talk about it on that end of things. But I also then think the more that people talk about it. So I tend to be more reserved with like my feelings and stuff. And the more that people open up to me, then I'm like, Oh, inside I'm saying me too. And then that same conversation of being like the word excited. I, I don't know how to otherwise describe it right now, but like if someone had something not so great happen to them and they're telling me about it inside, I start to light up a little bit because I'm like, Oh, someone I can relate to. Like, maybe I can share my story. Like, and maybe I haven't shared that story before. Maybe I haven't opened up that feeling before, but the more people are open to me, the more I'm willing to be open to them. And that helps a pathway for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Aaron, what are some, let's say common misconceptions that you've kind of seen throughout the years of what people think might be helpful or right or whatever it might be but really um, it, it can sometimes actually be the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of started to, to touch on this a little bit in you know, people, the mindset of just suck it up, um, brush it off, you know, that having struggles is weakness, mm-hmm. um, that there's something that we're like broken, there's something wrong with us that, you know, we, we are, we are feeling creatures as humans. We, we feel, you know, that part of our brain is, is, is big and is active. Other species don't have that as much, but we feel a lot. And so just to be going through something that is hard or is uncomfortable, isn't bad or wrong or broken. And in fact, like more often than not, I've heard so many stories and all of our stories are unique, but the human experience is not. Um, And that's something that is so cool in like doing group therapy because you have someone else say something and you're like, what? Like I say that to myself or I do that. And so it really quiets this shame, this, you know, feeling kind of alien and being like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not the problem. It's just a feeling or it's sometimes maybe even a societal problem. It's a bigger thing you know, but it's not just that I'm broken, that there are options and ways to heal. And that is talking about it. That is learning different coping skills. That is learning balance, you know, of different areas of life, you know, so there, there are options. So I think the the biggest misconception is that people think, you know, 
I just need to get over it or I'm unfixable or I'm the problem because Mm -hmm. that's just not true. Right. Yeah. It's completely false. If whatever you're thinking, you know, as far as like that self-doubt and shame and, you know, even humiliation sometimes with, with showing emotion, um, Mm -hmm. everybody else is also feeling that, you know, um, like the phrase of like, everybody's poop stinks. Right. So like we all poop, right. We all have feelings. And so we all have this. It's just some people are more emotive and they have big, big, big feelings and are loud about the feelings. Here's our spectrum. Right. And then there's other people that are very, 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 very quiet about their feelings and have the stone cold face. And you're like, I never know what he or she are thinking, you know, <laughs> like, like, it's always like a, like, um, I don't get much response. So there's kind of like our spectrums. And then most of us are somewhere in the middle, you know, so I'm a little bit more on wearing my emotions on my sleeve. <laughs> Bobby's a little bit less, <laughs> but it's, it's one of those, um, one of those things that I think if we just really step back and say like, I like I'm valid in what I'm feeling. And then from there, just making sure that we're not using that in a harmful way of like self-destructive behavior or talk or whatever it might be, but also not in an attacking way towards somebody else. Well, I'm feeling angry. So I'm going to be angry at you Mm -hmm. because I'm valid and feeling angry. Well, so, so I, both of those are destructive. The end result of whatever that action is going to be is not going to make anything better. Right. I'm either uh-huh. bringing myself down or bringing somebody else down. Well, that doesn't really make sense either. So it's like kind of one having being feeling, having that valid feeling, but then having, you know, more of that healthy response to that feeling is I think the next step. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause I think I've seen this sometimes where there's individuals that are like starting the process of, of, having feelings be acceptable to them, but then the outcome of that can be destructive and, you know, to somebody else. And it's like, (laughs) don't want you to like not own that feeling, but you know, you also want to see a little bit of a healthier turnaround on that. Yeah. So for someone, Oh, go ahead, Aaron. Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask you a question. So if you have a (laughs) response to it, I was going to say, you know, and at the end of the day, realizing that we are responsible for our own emotions and that that doesn't mean that developing a new relationship with our emotions doesn't mean that I'm bad. Doesn't mean that someone else is bad. Doesn't mean that my feelings are bad. It's just information, Mm -hmm. you know, even anger, you know, I tell people like anger is a very, um, kind of misunderstood emotion and people are like, Ooh, anger is bad. And it's like, no, anger is a really beautiful and necessary emotion. It is one that can be very empowering. Um, it can swing to a point where sometimes we're like, nope, quiet it, put it, shove it down, or it can swing to very explosive. And instead, if we really respect it, I view anger like fire. Fire is fuel. It is warmth. It can help um, with nourishment but it's something that also deserves a lot of respect. So we don't want an uncontrolled burn that's just gonna you know, hurt everyone, but we also don't wanna snuff it out you know, and right, make our right. flame go out. So we really wanna respect it because in reality, it's telling us, hmm, there's something that I'm not okay with. You know, I don't know what that is. I might not know what that is. I might know exactly what it is. But something that was said or done or something that's happening 
I'm, I don't feel okay with that. And that then can be like, well, what do I want to do if I'm not okay with something? So right. it can, when we feel it, and if we really respect it, we're like, ooh, okay, cool. So how do I want to either communicate this or what action do I want to do? Like we can still combine our emotional mind and our rational logical mind. That's the power when both of them come online and are respected, and then we can take the step. So, yeah. so yes, we want to make sure that we're feeling it, but we're also saying I'm in charge of my feeling. Just because I'm angry doesn't mean I can burn, right. but also doesn't mean I can snuff it out either. How do I respect that and take a step with it? And that can be replaced with other emotions as well. Absolutely. Same thing. Yeah. That, that healthy balance, I think between the, um, the um, emotional and, and logical. And I think that's where I think, you know, if we start doing too much of that emotion without matching it, you know, I've just, I've seen it, (laughs) I've seen it happen in the past. I'm like, okay, well, we, I'm going to kind of point you in this direction and I'm going to have you see if you want to go talk to someone about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boundaries. boundaries are a huge part of, of yeah. mental health and well-being yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So kind of like a two-part two question. Kind of same question, but different ends of the spectrum. So for someone that's maybe listening to this and really has never put any thought into, they have the, they're the side of like, I can handle it. I need to do it. Don't worry about it. I don't need to talk to what, what are two or three things that they can do to maybe change something today? Um, and then on the other side of it is someone that has been looking for help, but hasn't had the courage and kind of this conversation has opened that up to them. What are, you know, two or three things that they should look for in someone to help them or things that they should then further do? Those are fantastic questions. So Okay, the first one. So people who are like, nope, not, not me, not, not, not going to do it. Um, I want to encourage those people to take a leap. Um, it's to be open and to be vulnerable is really hard and really uncomfortable and therefore is incredibly courageous. Um, it's basically saying, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to change and change is never comfortable. And so for those people, I would just say, take a leap and try something new because we only grow. We only expand. We only heal when we take a step outside of our comfort zone. I don't mean a giant leap. You don't have to like dive off the deep end, but you have (laughs) to step outside of that. And I have yet to meet anyone who anywhere in my life as a therapist, um, family of, of clients, uh, friends, people in my own life, who I don't think would benefit from therapy. It's gonna look different for everyone. You know, Some people it's gonna be like, wow, I have to really heal some of these past wounds. Some people it's just gonna be like, you know what? I wanna be a better leader. I wanna be a better communicator. I want to you know, find more balance in my life. I wanna have more fun. I wanna listen to my feelings more we can all learn and benefit from that. So I would encourage people to take this step of what's something they can do now. Call. Call. (laughs) Um, But I also think just maybe take the step of someone in your life who maybe you feel the most comfortable with. Doesn't mean it is comfortable, but more comfortable, a, a more safe person. And maybe tell them one thing in your life that you're struggling with. You know, it could be, you know, I'm kind of being hard on myself or I'm, you know, really struggling with having low energy 
or I'm having a little bit of fear of the future, you know, whatever it may be, just sharing one thing with someone that's taking the step of practicing, not holding on to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it also helps to model. So if you're struggling with like, Ooh, I don't want to be vulnerable myself. It helps to model this to people. You know, if your parent helps model healthier ways of communicating and living to your children, to, it could be to your parents, could be to your friends. So if you start to do this, you're modeling really healthy stuff for other people. So that can be one mentality. It's like, if you're uncomfortable being like, yeah, but this is also helping and healing other people. I'm showing them the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I would recommend. Just, just being open, just being open and continue to take the leap. Um, for people who are ready, I would say, I mean, I think it's hard. It's hard to get a, to get help, unfortunately. Um, I don't think we talk about mental health as often, but there are a lot of tools. You can call your insurance company. You can go on psychology today. If someone's not, um, if they're full, then leave a message or email them or even text the number and just say, do you know anyone? Do you have any recommendations? Do you know anyone who has any availability? A lot of therapists will take sliding scales. Um, So if you don't have insurance, you can self-pay and they might, you know, do it based on what you can actually afford. Um, but invest in it, invest in, you know, giving it a try a few times and then, you know, seeing like, it's something that you have to just like you maybe pay for the gym or you maybe pay for a massage or something else. It's something that is an investment and is worth it. Um, I know, I know, therapy, you know, we tell people we're not going to fix like most of the time it needs a few times, right? Like we can make some good improvements in one time, but you're not going to feel a thousand times better in one time. What have you found with therapy? Like I'm, I don't like to assume, um, but I'm going to take a gander that it doesn't take one session. Um, it might be, you know, a few. So like, what is, what could, should someone expect like after a first session? Usually, you know, your first session, you're getting to know this person. And a lot of people I have found come in and all of a sudden they start talking and they're crying and they look around like what, what the heck is happening right now? Like, this is not me. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you're actually taking intentional space for your feelings. And where else do we do that? You know, in a space that's not judgmental with someone who's like, yeah, I get this. And this is all okay. So a lot of stuff comes up that people are like, what is this? But it's not like, oh, all your wounds are going to come up in this first one. It's just (laughs) sort of like, wow, I have space to feel. And this, that feel, and I find that most people say like, this feels really good. It's uncomfortable, but this feels like, like it's almost like a, like a settling in. So it takes a few sessions to really kind of get that rapport, that comfort. Um, Some people could do, you know, five, six, seven. And then some people, you know, maybe might want to meet once a week or every other week for a few sessions. And then I have clients who I've seen for long, longer periods, some of them for years. We only see each other like every you know, month, month and a half. And it's kind of like, like maintenance at that point. Like they're like, okay, like this theme is coming up and this pattern is coming up and I really want to work on it and I want to develop healthier skills. And so it, it sort of becomes very different therapy than what it is in the beginning. So, but it's good. It's good stuff. And I always tell people quick change is not lasting change. Like it's, no. it's, it's slow and steady, but it, it feels good because in the beginning, when you start to have this new experience, you will feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, Erin, so much for your help. And we really, really appreciate your conversation and dialogue. 
and expertise, you know, uh, I think it's very helpful to open up the dialogue and just to, you know, in this month of Mental Health Awareness Month, just start raising more awareness that this isn't a uh, diagnosis based necessarily in Mental Health Awareness Month. So much of it is just all of us being more aware of our own mental health and what our struggles are and how to be healthier about our approach to our mental health, our mental well-being. Um, and it deserves just as much attention as our physical health, if not more sometimes, um, depending on, on uh, what's going on in life. And, and the whole, you know, what we talked about in Stress Awareness Month, the physiological impacts of our mental health. So it all interrelates. So we can't just have one or the other. We really need all of it. Mm -hmm. um, so what we're going to do throughout the rest of this month is we're going to continue to have episodes that are in uh, the narrative of mental well-being. Uh, the next episode, it'll be um, Dr. Bobby and I talking a little bit more. And then we're going to do a couple of other interviews later in the month. So definitely stay tuned. Now, we always end with a challenge. So the challenge for this week is to do what Aaron suggested, is to try one new thing. Just one, just one. That might be something super little. It might be something that has been on the back of your mind that you've really been thinking about. And maybe this week is the week you do it, right? As long as it's safe, don't, don't put yourself in harm's way or anything silly, you know, but like just one new thing and, and see how that feels and see if it kind of helps to open up this growth area of your life that you never knew was maybe there, right? So, all right, everybody, don't forget, follow us on, um, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Uh, we've got the recorded uh, videos of these um, podcasts on YouTube. So if you want to check us out there, and then uh, we're also on Apple uh, Podcasts. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Stay tuned so for next much. week. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you. you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.